you're listening to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Elle Cole, and you are tuning into episode 48. This conversation centers around how one single mother decided to travel the world to teach her daughter. It's no coincidence that you're listening to the Cleverly Changing Podcast today. If you need support to educate your children, then you're tuning into the right episode. During this conversation, I'd love for you to get to know me a little better. I'm a parent and health advocate. I'm a mom to twin girls. And this podcast is not only for parents who want to homeschool their children, but it is for all parents who want to supplement their child's education. Our goal is to provide you with encouragement, insight about African history, and support as a parent and home educator. New episodes are uploaded bi-weekly, so please remember to subscribe and share. If you want to keep this podcast going, there are two ways that you can support us. One is through PayPal. You can actually send us a donation at cleverlychanging at gmail.com is the email address where you can send us a donation via PayPal. You can also donate monthly at a low monthly cost via our Patreon page. And the Patreon site is patreon.com slash cleverlychanging. Visit our show notes if you want to see the links for those donation types. Now remember, today's African proverb is, hope does not disappoint. And that is a South African proverb. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by Senegal and the Gambia. Balma. Balma. It means, excuse me, in Wolof. it's 2021. We know that we've had to experience many challenges, like learning how to work while homeschooling and just trying to balance it all. Unfortunately, another thing that we've had to deal with this year is hacking threats, which are at an all-time high. That's why I wanted to recommend protecting your home and your family from hackers with Trend Micro's home network security device. This device easily plugs into your home's router so it can scan for cyber threats. It prevents intrusions, blocks hacking attempts, and protects your family's privacy from unwanted cyber intruders. It also comes with an easy-to-use app so you can monitor all of the network activity in your home. The app includes parental control features so you can block inappropriate sites, limit your kids' Wi-Fi time, and protect their online activity. Last year, my kids started taking virtual classes For the first time, and I know since they're spending an increased amount of time on the app, I want them to be safe. This device is a necessity in every home. To pick up yours, go to trendmicro.com and use the code CLEVERLY20, all caps, to take $20 off your home network security device purchase. You can also try their free home network security app now available at the App Store. Thanks, Trend Micro, for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing 
podcast. I am one of your hosts, Elle, and this is a new episode. We have an exciting guest today. She has done road schooling, world schooling, and is just on an awesome journey. And so we want to give you an opportunity to learn from her. So before I let her introduce herself, let me tell you a little bit about me. I'm a mom of twin girls, and I have been homeschooling for about seven years. And I love my journey and I love an opportunity to be able to have conversations with other people on this journey as well. So take a few minutes, listen in, and be sure to share this episode with someone else. All right, go ahead, Jade, and let everyone know who you are. Oh, hello, my name is Jade. Um, I'm a homeschooling mom of one. I'm also a single mother, so I homeschool her by myself and I shouldn't say by myself because I outsource um so I'm homeschooling and I start off working in a traditional public school setting and in my mind I was like well how do I change this how do I advocate for families because this public school system just wasn't working and in the midst of this I was still sending my daughter to the same school the same system that I felt was so damaging and when she asked to be homeschooled, because she asked me, that's when I had to decide, like, I need to do what's best for my daughter. And in the midst of all of that, I decided that we were going to travel for a year. I was like, let's just take a year off life and travel. So we were world schooling. But at the time, I didn't know that term. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't even know there was a thing that people were doing that with their with their children and their family. So we world schooled for a year, we sat still for a while, then we traveled some more, then we world schooled, then the pandemic hit. So we've kind of done a mix of a lot of different homeschooling. Yeah, so that's me. And I should also mention like, cause people were like, well, how did you do that? I teach online. So I transitioned from a classroom teacher to teaching online. And that's how I was able to travel and still have income. As long as there was Wi-Fi, I could work. That's awesome. So let me let me ask, how old was your daughter when she asked you to homeschool? She was seven. Oh, wow. Wow. She yeah. was very young. Mm-hmm. And, and you trusted her, her enough to go ahead and evaluate that. Can you kind of unpack that for us? Why was it important for you to really take into account what she said? and not consider it, oh, she just doesn't want to go to school today. You actually saw that as something that was a long-term thing. Yeah, so I already saw her having the kind of similar experiences that I had when I was in school, where, you know, teachers, if they weren't really challenging her, they would say stuff to her, they'd say stuff to me, and it bothered me. I'm like, so the first incident when she was in pre-K, she called her teacher a liar, which was wrong. We had a conversation about them. Like, you can't do that. There's ways that you can speak to people. But it was because there was a conversation about Christopher Columbus. And my background is in history. So my daughter, I talked to her. I talked to her. I talked to her. I talked to her teacher all the time, not just send her to school and let, you know, other people educate her. So this pre-K teacher that she had also made comments about something because I was like well you know she's reading at a second grade level do you have any recommendations because things that you're sitting home like she already knows all her sight words instead of having a conversation about my daughter she started discussing a little boy in the class and how smart he was so I was already like "Mm, okay so we're moving to half day so switch to half day pre-k and then she started kindergarten she had amazing teachers like I'm still in touch with her teachers her kindergarten teachers we have lunch all the time like they were absolutely amazing they challenged her they did things to help her where she was at versus trying to hold her back and then she started first grade and the teacher just didn't know what to do with her even though we had these conversations and it got to the point where I was at the school every day where I'm like okay I'm talking to the admin I'm trying to get her transferred out of the classroom they want to um, accelerate her into the next grade the teacher lied like outright lied to me and told me that she did the testing for my daughter and never did. And it, she made a comment where she said, I know what to do to hold the students back. I don't know what I'm supposed to do to advance them. And she had a class of black children. So basically she was saying, she's like, I know how to do an IEP. I know what I'm supposed to, I know the systems in place to, you know, keep this child back a grade if they're not learning at the level we expect them to, but I don't know what to do to challenge a child or to advance them. And my issue has always been a lot of children who get held back not all of them but you know if they're not being challenged in class they're not going to participate so then the teacher assumes they don't know anything it's because they're bored I was the bored kid in class 
So after like that first semester of first grade being so awful, and I'm like, you know, that's really traumatic. Like, I don't want her to feel like I sent her to this place where she's gonna have all these traumatic experiences and then she's gonna have to deal with it later. I had a lot of terrible experiences in school and I would ask people all the time, like, tell me what was like your favorite memories about school and it can't be your friends like tell me something that you absolutely loved about school and nobody can ever answer that question like right away but I'm like can you tell me like your most traumatizing experience about school and they start rattling off a list of well this happened this happened that happened and I was just like yeah so and that's why I started homeschooling when she came home it was with a you know a little kid attitude it's like why can't you just homeschool me and I was like First of all, who are you talking to? But second, let me think about it. Um, Because at that time I was working for Atlanta Public Schools and I was also teaching online, but that was like as a side job. And then she said it, she was like, you already have a job that you can teach. And that's how she said it. And I was just like, I I know I have a job that I can teach, but it didn't make sense. But like, after I processed it, I'm like, I do. I'm like, I'm at home working and I leave my home to go work. I can, and I had to figure out like, how am I going to, change this like side job into something that can actually give me enough income to to stay at home and work and also educate her. And then the idea of traveling came because it was just something I had always wanted to do prior to having her. And I sat down, I thought it out, I asked her about it. I was renting at the time, like my lease is about to be up. And I actually spent less money traveling than I did sitting still. So, um. I just, I took what she said into account and I just, and I also thought about my own feelings about the public school system. Like, why am I sending her someplace that I don't think is great for our children? So yeah, she, she did. <laughs> so one thing that, that really just stands out about your story and your daughter's story is that even though, you know, our kids can sometimes, you know, come to us with, Um, so much wisdom at a young age. And sometimes, like I think of um, the past, sometimes they can be shut down. But what you you did, you validated her in, in an amazing way. And I think that that's something that as parents, especially us from like an old school type of, um, you know, being raised, that's something that's very unusual. Because you, you said, you didn't get offended by what she said when she was like, well, you have a job, you know, you said, oh, you know, like you, you, you valued what she was saying to you and then you begin to process it. And I just want to commend you because that takes um, a lot of wisdom as an adult, but it also takes selflessness to be able to listen to what a child is telling you and then um, see how you can apply that to your life and really take it for face value. And I think that's just commendable. And that's something that we as parents should think about. You know, our children are real people and the things that they say to us is actually of value. We shouldn't discard it just because of their age. And um, I just love that you shared that story with us. I want to know, as an educator, was it easier for you to say, I'm, I'm going to um, homeschool her because I already have the education to do so. So what gave you the um, courage and the bravery to follow through? So I think um, one of the reasons, I, w- I won't necessarily say as my, like, because my background in education made it easier. It was because my position in education, working as an advocate for families already, I already had it in my mind, like, if things are going to change, what can I do to make these things change? So the real mission as an educator for me wasn't just like about educating the children, like also making sure that they're being educated outside of these, you know, these little whack standards that they have set up. Um, (laughs) But I I think what makes it easier is like, I, I meet a lot of homeschool families where they're like, oh, you know, my parents or all these outside people are saying, well, you don't have the background to do it. You don't have the education to educate your child. Like you've been educating your child since you got pregnant. The day you got pregnant, you started educating. You started changing the way you ate. You changed all these habits about yourself. You taught your child how to brush their teeth. Like you're already doing those things. So it's not necessary for you to pass your child off to someone else to provide them with information that's standardized. Like if it's 
it's a list of these are the standards that every child should be able to pass. And every child might pass them. Sometimes they don't. Like my daughter right now, she's, we started math over. So she's seventh grade if she was in school, seventh grade. But I started her back at fifth grade math, math because there were pieces that she was missing. So I'm like, we don't have to keep on going until you're ready to go. But having the background does help me because I know how to make a lesson plan. So if I want to do those things by myself, I know how to do it. Um, but I had to forget a lot of the things that I learned about being an educator so that 30 minute blocks of learning doesn't work for her. It doesn't work for me. So we don't do that anymore. And so I think some people fear that like, well, if I don't have this background, how can I do it? What, what happens when I have to teach her how to do something that I don't know how to do myself? I, the only math I teach my child is when we play board games. I hire a tutor to do her math because I'm, I teach ELA, I teach middle school writing. That's my thing, I'm really good at that. I teach history, I'm really good at that. I know how to do math, but I'm not really good at teaching it. So I don't, I let someone else do it. So um, having the background, it kind of helps for people to look at you and say, oh, you know what you're doing because you have this background. But it's really not that because I've, I've met um, a, a mother, she wants to homeschool her son. And she's like, I dropped out of school in the 10th grade. And we're having this conversation. And as we're talking, it's like, do you know you just dropped all these gems? You just shared all this information about your son that none of your like none of his teachers will ever know these things about him. And I'm like, you absolutely can do it. And you don't have to follow a standardized education to actually educate your child. I love that you just shared the story about the mom with the 10th grade education, because when you homeschool your kid, often you're relearning. You know, just because we went to school, it's like, man, that was a long time ago. Yep. You know, like I find like decimals and fractions, like I haven't had to pick those things up. So I'm having to relearn them in order mm -hmm. to teach them. And yeah. um, like we're getting in algebraic equations and it's like, yeah, I haven't had to do one of these <laughs> in years. So it's not like we have this blueprint that's before us that we're just checking off boxes, you know, with the I know this attitude. It's like, we're open to learning alongside our child. And yeah. so it's more of a collaborative effort than I'm just, I'm opening up your mind and I'm just piling stuff in. That's just not how it, how yeah. it goes. And it's fun too, like when we are doing a science unit, I was like, oh, I remember loving this when I was in school. So we're doing it together. And then there's the other side of that where I'm like, if I now as an adult don't remember all this stuff, it's because I learned it, but I never used it. And then sometimes I think, well, why, do I, why am I teaching it to her? Why are we doing this? She's never going to use this in her adult life because I've never used it in my adult life. But I'm like, you know, it's still good to have these pieces of knowledge. So I do still have those moments where I'm like, and that's the other thing, like I do have my moments where I'm like, oh man, I'm doing it all wrong. Um, what if she's not prepared for whatever it is that she wants to do? in the future. So I still absolutely have those, those moments. And then I might keep on doing what you're doing. But um, I think about those things. So even with her math, like, even though I say I don't teach her math, we've sat down, we've done budgeting. She's seen my bills. She's watched me pay bills. So I give her the real life applications of math, but I also want her to know how to graph stuff I don't know why I want her to know how to do this because I know I had to learn how to do it but if she decides to move into a field that's heavy on math I want her to not be like oh I really want to have this career but I'm still at fifth grade math so um yeah I think about all of those and that's why I tell like that the mother that I met I was just like and I remember talking to her like I'm like girl I don't remember some of this stuff so I'm learning it with her and she just you know, then it kind of clicks for her, like, okay, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have an education and background to actually educate my child. And most educators are educated in their specific subject. So I might be amazing at writing, but then here comes that math. Like, it's, you just have to look at it from, you have to completely change your mindset when you start homeschooling. And it's a lot of work, even with the parenting. Like, I practice intentional parenting, and sometimes I slip up. There are days where I find myself sounding like my mother and I'm like, that's not what you want to do. That's not how you decided to parent. So it's a whole lot of checking myself often. Yes, 
Yes, self-examination. Um, so you just used a term that um, our listeners may not be familiar with, and that is intentional parenting. Can you kind of define that for people who aren't familiar with it? Yeah, so my idea like with intentional parenting is just being present, knowing how I want to parent. And it actually, I took a class when I was in school. It was for parent education. So one of the tasks that we had to do was write down all the questions like we would want to ask our parents about why they parented us a certain way, how they parented us a certain way, and then anything that we didn't particularly like about what they did as a parent. And then we had to go interview our parents. So I did it. It was difficult, but I'm asking my mom all these questions. And then the other side, I had to write down all things that I want to be as a parent. This was, my daughter was like two years old while I was taking this class. So I'm writing down all the things I want to be as a parent. How, and it, then the other question was like, if you could go back, what would, how would you, what was, it was something like, if you're a child, what were the things that you want your parents to do that they didn't do? And so I made this list and I looked at this list. And so I have to just keep it in mind where if I'm saying, I want my daughter to feel comfortable coming to talk to me about anything, or if I'm upset instead of yelling at her, because that's my first like go-to, screaming and yelling, why didn't you clean your room? I have to pause and stop and go back in instead of yelling about it. Hey daughter, I need you to clean your room and then tell her why she has to clean her room. Like, it, I, you know, explaining all those things. And then this is the part where it's a little bit more difficult because she's 12 now. Like when she was a little kid, like, you know, having those conversations were easier, but she's 12. And so it's now where I'm like, if she wants to, I don't want to say question what I'm saying. Like if she asks me a question, I'm supposed, I'm supposed to give her options and allow her to say why she should have these options. So that part's a little difficult because I still have that whole mindset. Like I'm the parent, you're the child, but it's also, I'm a person and you're a person. So being intentional means I'm just paying attention. I'm allowing her to be a person and not just the person I want her to be, which is difficult. It's hard. Yes. Yes. So I, my girls, my twins are 12 too, and mm -hmm. they are reaching that stage where they're, they're questioning and pushing back a bit. And, you know, it, it takes you off, it, you know, it takes you off guard at first because it's like, you know, just me growing up, I remember it was like you had the fear of God in you. So you wouldn't question. This is yeah. a whole different generation where yeah. like, but why? <laughs> I'm, always, I'm, so. like, I'm like, you just roll your eyes at me. She's like, I didn't even roll my eyes. What, is your tone changing with me? And then it's like, okay, let me walk away. We'll come back and we'll discuss this. But also, you know, making sure that it's not disrespectful. Because I think a lot of people see that as allowing their child to say something back is being disrespectful so it's also teaching her how to talk to me as my child still because I'll still tell him like you're still a child I'm still your mother I'm like so you need to you know the way I need you to talk to me is still in a respectful manner and a lot of people feel like if your child questions you it's disrespectful that's autumn you know punishment whatever's going to come with that like you can't talk back you can't but it's like also saying you can't feel any type of way. Like you can't have your own emotions. You can't have your feelings. If I'm saying this is exactly what you're going to do and you don't have any choices. I, I like that you just shared that because when you allow your child to have their emotions in that moment, you are actually helping them be fully present and you're, you're, giving them an opportunity to ground themselves. And as adults, we know how important that is. And so we wanna develop strong people. So by letting them speak up for themselves, they're gonna speak up with us first. And we want them to do that with other people. So we have to give them that opportunity to do that at home as well. And it's yeah. just something we, if we weren't raised that way, it's something that, it's a lesson of patience and something we have to get used to. So. Yeah. Wow, you know, I what you've been just sharing definitely resonates with me as a mom. And I wanna kind of um, switch, switch the focus just a little bit. And I wanna know where have you guys gone? Because you said that you rode school and world school. Just tell us um, like where you went and some of the things that may have stood out to you are something that she's mentioned to you. Um, I will try to recall. Um, so we've been to Greece, Italy, France, Germany, Morocco, Senegal, Ethiopia, Egypt, South Africa, Kenya, and Mexico, and Thailand, and 
I'm missing. We went to like one other Asian country. I can't remember what it was. Um, so those are the places. I think I got them all. Um, and one thing I, I want to throw in about that, it was not expensive. I did not spend a lot of money. I had a budget. I went online and I looked at um, the national poverty line for a family of two. And back in 2016, when we started traveling, I think it was like $15,000. So I did the budget. I'm like, that means $1,200 a month. And that's what was my budget. I said, we're spending $1,200 a month. I'm like, if, if we go over, that means when we get to this next country, the budget is going to be a little bit tighter. Um, and the reason I did it that way was I wanted to see like, let's see if we can actually have these experiences without spending a ton of money. And also that would mean I wouldn't have to work so much. I'm like, if I want, if I'm going to travel to these places I've never been, I don't want to stay in my Airbnb on my iPad working. I want to actually be able to get out there and experience the places that we're at. Um, so when we first left, she was eight going on nine and she didn't really have much say so like as far as the planning, but every place that we went, the first thing we would do is buy fruit and find a park. Like those were like the first two things on the list. So we go buy fruit because fruit in other countries is like, it's like, they, it's so amazing. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I've never tasted a banana this sweet in my life. Like I was just, it was so the food, um, my thing, but I find these parks so that she could go play. Like, so she'd meet kids and it's just amazing how kids who don't speak the same language will still spend two, three hours playing with each other, like just running around and having a good time. So when she got older, I started letting her have some more say. So I'm like, okay, so this is where we're going. What do you want to do? So she had to start doing research. My like, okay, she has to research the country. She has to learn the language, what language they speak. Then she was responsible for looking up the five main phrases that we need to navigate, how to say hi, how to get here, how to get there. And so I turned it into school. She was still learning. Like she learned a lot. And I learned a lot that like I'm traveling to a whole new place and someplace I've never been, I'm learning as well. So she had more say so. And there's this place that she likes called Kidzania. So every place we went, if there was a Kidzania, we would go to a Kidzania. So that was like her big ticket thing because some some countries, oh, London, London, London was expensive. And then we were in Egypt and like the London ticket for Kidzania was like $54. And then the one in Egypt was like 12. So I'm like, that was her thing that she got to do. So um, now she, she asked me, cause I used to think like, okay, you know, I'm taking her away from other kids. Like she's not going to have these same experiences. And so I kept on again, doubting like, you know, is this right to do? Like some people are like, that's so great. You're opening her to this world, this, to all these things. But then I'm like, well, how will she still be able to connect with other kids having these experiences where they're like, what you did. And she's just, she does great with everybody. So she's able to, and I don't know if it's from the traveling, but any place that she's put in, she can adjust to her surroundings. So um, she gets to have some say so, and she'll ask me now, like, when are we gonna travel again? I'm like, you know, when the world opens back up? Not right now, but she definitely, I give her more because she's older now. Um, the last time we traveled, I gave her um, a credit card. And I told her, I'm like, this is your own budget. So you're not going to keep on asking me, mommy, can I, mommy, can I, mommy, can you? Because she wants me to buy, buy, buy all this stuff. And I'm like, this is your budget. And this is going to come out of your account. So once we get back, you're paying this credit card off. And all of a sudden, she didn't want anything. She didn't want ice cream with every meal. She, <laughs> she didn't want the toys. I'm like, see? So I'm, I'm preparing her. I'm letting her know, like, instant gratification is wonderful when it's me paying the bill. But now when you have to do it, you you're learning like oh well that's my money that I have to spend so I find ways to you know still still make it educational whether she knows it or not um but yeah, I do miss traveling and in the road schooling thing as much as I thought I was going to love it I didn't it wasn't hmm. it just we were doing like the van life road schooling where we lived in the vehicle and then traveled to each place that we go to but I was spending more money getting hotel rooms and airbnbs it just wasn't for me it looked so fun online watching it and I was just like I like showers I like kitchens I like that type of stuff so 
we did our road schooling and we made it intentional. I was like, we're not just gonna be like, oh, we're going to state, state to state. We were visiting historical black monuments and locations. Like that was the part of what we're doing with our road schooling. And then the pandemic happened. So since then we just decided to sit still. Wow. So something that you just shared, I, I wanted to do something very similar with my girls with the road schooling travel to historical Black places mm -hmm. so that they could see them in person. Um, and I never, like I looked into RVs to do it that way. Mm -hmm. um, but I was, I was just I don't know, I was a little bit afraid. Like, how will this work out? My kids would just be with me. And I have a daughter who has um, two health challenges. And I was like, man, you know, I would have to get her medicine. I just felt like the responsibility on top of it might've been too much, but just hearing you talk, like you were able to go to different countries. And I assume it was just you and your daughter. You weren't going yeah. with a group of people, right? It was just us. So that, I mean, to me, it's like, wow, you know, you can do, like, if your mind is made up, you can do whatever you want. You just, you just have to kind of figure it out. It's okay to want to do something that is outside the box. You mm -hmm. have to challenge yourself in that way and take risks. So when you left the country and you went to different places, was there any time that you felt uncomfortable as a Black person in those countries? You know, I didn't have those experiences. I've only, I don't like had one like terrible experience. And that was when we were in Egypt. Um, but a lot of the places we went, like people were like, well, aren't you scared? This and this could happen to you. I'm like, yeah, that stuff could happen to me in my neighborhood. I could walk out my house and the exact same things you're saying could happen to me, could happen to me where I'm at. So I'm not going to shelter myself in a place just because of fear of things that might happen. And then it was like, okay, we're the only black people here. Do they, can they tell we're Americans? I learned really quickly to tell people we were Canadian. Um, <laughs> that, that helps a lot. Cause if you're American, all of a sudden, all the conversations, I was like, like, oh, are you, where are you from? Canada. Okay. And it was over. Like that was, that was that. So um, we had really good experiences with people for the most part. And then my daughter, like I said, I don't know what little auras around her but random people would start talking to her in a different language and she would talk back and they would, i'm like y'all can't even what are you talking to this person on the train about and then like they pull out the google thing the google translate and have these conversations so she was very very open talking to everyone we'd go someplace i'm like don't say anything we're coming in here to grab some groceries and she'd walk in she's like well maybe someone in here speaks english and they can help and she would walk up to people like, hi, where's the chicken? And I'm just like, you better stop. And to the point I was like, you know what, do it. And I'm like, you got it. Cause I also, that fear was like, okay, if they know we're foreigners, foreign, I mean, that we're foreigners, we're not from here. They might take advantage of us. I kept on thinking of all those possibilities, but no, nobody did that. They're just like, oh, okay, it was so cute to them. So she was actually the, the hi everyone. And we met a lot of people because of her um but Egypt we had a really bad experience I mean the whole I don't want to say the whole experience was bad but from the moment we got off the plane everything like it was just really bad so in my mind even though we had some really great things that happened that kind of clouds my entire experience there and I think the, the factor in like, because I was a woman, that was definitely one of the things like I heard a lot of women say, well, they're gonna treat you a certain type of way, just be ready. And then it happened. And um, luckily I was like in a Facebook group at the time and I posted and it was Wandering Moms. And I made a post, I was like, is there anyone in Egypt? And I can't even remember what the post was, but a mom who lives in Egypt reached out to me. And she was like, I have a really good friend who lives in Egypt and I can't remember which country he was from. He wasn't Egyptian, but he lived in Egypt. And he like basically, and this is why I said the good part. He came and picked me and my daughter up and everywhere we had to go, he took us every place we needed to go. He just, and I, you know, he's like, no, he's like, if you need to go someplace, you don't call the taxi, you call me. He's like, I want you to stay. Cause I was like, I'm buying a ticket. I'm getting out of here. I'm not staying. And like, he took us to the market at night because I was like, I'm not going out at night. So I'm being this back in my Airbnb before the sun comes down. He's like, no, I'm taking you to the market. I'll be there at eight o'clock. And I was like, you know, deep breaths, deep breaths. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. And he held my hand the whole time. Like he wouldn't even let go of my hand at the market. 
and the market was packed, crowded. I would have never went there by myself with my daughter. Like I never would have went there, but the experience was great. I was like, oh, he's buying a sugar cane drinks that was so disgusting, but everybody was drinking. <laughs> like everybody in the market is drinking this sugar cane drink out of plastic bag with a little straw. And he's like, here, you, you must have this. I said, okay, well, we'll take one. He's like, no, one for you, one for the baby. And so was, and all I can like, I'm like sugar cane juice, I'm like this plastic Ziploc like bag with a straw poked into it. I don't want all this sugar. I don't want her to have all this sugar at eight o'clock. And I'm like, it's probably gonna be really delicious. We both took a sip and we looked at each other. Like, <laughs> so, oh wow! Walking through the market trying to drink, and I told her like, take a drink and spit it out. And I'm like, so as we're walking, like sipping and spitting the whole time because. Yeah. Um, so that's why I said, like, I can smile and laugh about that experience. But when I think about Egypt, I think about, yeah, I'll never, ever go back there again. Wow. Wow. That's, that definitely surprises me. I do have some friends who have visited Egypt, but they, of course, went as a group. And I think um, that may be why they had a different, different experience. But I don't know. Um, what was your best trip that you ever went on? Oh, okay. So it will have to be between Senegal and Ethiopia. Like when I went to Senegal, I had a guide. So I, I did get a guide when we were in Senegal and I also had one when we were in Ethiopia, but it was just for us. So I posted on like, I want to say the African movement Facebook page or something like that. Travel Africa movement, something, those three words are somewhere in the title. So um, I joined that group and I typed in, I was like, me and my daughter are going to Senegal and we're going to Ethiopia um, and we're going to Egypt. And I was saying, I was specifically looking for someone who could show us around. And I never, I didn't have to do that in European countries because I could speak enough of the language to get around. And there's enough people there who speak English where I didn't have any difficulties. And I'm like, I really want to, and when I went to South Africa and Kenya, they speak English. So I was like, you know, it was really easy. So I was like, I want to be able to get to these countries. And I had a list of things I wanted to do. I never had made a list of things to do. Usually we got there, we figured out once we were there. And so I had a guy reach out to me from Senegal. He's like, oh, you know, I do tours. And, you know, I checked his background. I did all the stuff he's supposed to do. And he was our, he was amazing. Like he took us places I didn't even have on my list. He was like, you don't know about this. I'm like, no, I don't know about this. So um, Senegal was amazing like when I say and it was you know how people say you know you're gonna go back to Africa and you're gonna feel like you're at home I'd already visited Africa I didn't feel like I was at home maybe because I started in Morocco but I was like okay it's just another place but we're in Senegal everywhere we go everyone was his cousin I was just like whoa I'm like you know everybody he's like no we're all cousins he's like everyone's family he's like you're my cousin now and that's exactly how it felt it felt like everyone's just like like you, if you envision that community where your kids can go outside and you know the neighbors are watching them and you know, like, you know, Miss Sue makes cookies on Thursdays and, and Mr. Willis does the yard work. That's what it felt like. It was just so, it was like a big old hug. And the food was amazing. I didn't know Senegal had islands. So we went to three different islands and we were just lounging on a beach one day eating. And I was just like, this is really nice. I like it here. Um, but of course, I only got to see the beautiful sides of Senegal. Like he didn't take me to, you know, the places where there might be, you know, higher poverty or where it's not as beautiful. But that's every place, you know, so I can be like, oh, Senegal was amazing. The people were so great. The part that I saw was the food was amazing. Like I loved the food. I came back to the States and I found someone to make my Cebu Jin. Like that was the dish. <laughs> I was like, I can't live without eating this again. So Senegal was great. My daughter loves Senegal too, like. I think that's the place that she talks about the most. Um, and in Ethiopia, we did the tours of um, the different tribes. So we did that. It was exhausting. I tried to pack too much into too little time. I didn't know like to visit those tribes. Most people, it's a week to, up to a month that they actually do that. And we were there for it. But we were in that area for four days. So our guide there, he was... Um, <laughs> He was trying to squeeze in a lot. He's like, oh, we'll do this, this, and this. He's like, I want you to see, I want you to see my country. Like he wanted us to see it all. And I was just like, on the, our last day there, um, cause we drove from the capital seven hours to these tribes because I couldn't get a flight because I didn't plan. Um, so he was like, no, I get a driver. So we had a driver who drove us down and then drove us back to the capital. 
So that last day there. I have a, I have a quick question about that. Mm-hmm. When you were driving through, do you feel like it was more valuable because you were able to see, um, you know, scenic places on the way? So some of it, some areas were, and other times it was just flat road. There was nothing, <laughs> there was nothing to look at. And the ride wasn't smooth. It was a, it was, um, <laughs> they called it the uh, Ethiopian massage. That's what he kept on referring to because <laughs> the whole time you're in the car, it's just, and it's bouncing and being thrown from side to side it was but as we were going he would stop and take us to like the peak of a mountain to look off this or like he knew he knew a whole lot of like little stops so he when I say he tried to squeeze in everything he possibly could I was like I was like I'm only gonna be here for a week and my flight leaves on this day so I have to I would have to come down on that day catch a fight that day catch a fight this day and I can't because it didn't fit into my budget and he's like no we'll figure it out and you gotta drive and we the Airbnb we stayed at was um at a circus so a circus training <laughs> it was a circus training thing like I don't know how to explain it but the guy who owned it rented out rooms in his building but he trained he's a he was in a circus and he also trained kids to be in the circus and not even just to be in the circus but he like it was like the after school program the summer school program so my daughter got to participate in that the first day like go out there and learn how to like spin in the little I don't know what the name of it is, but like the little circles that hang off from the ceiling and doing the little rope stuff. So, um, yeah, that experience was great. And he just was, he was young too. So he was very young. So I knew he was like new in the biz. So I think he was just trying to do the best that he possibly could. And I'm in contact with both of them still. So I still hit them up every now and then like, Hey, how's everything going? You know, I know the pandemic's probably slowing down on tourists. So what are you doing now? And when I say both these, these young guys are like, if you know a hustler, that is what they are. Because he, the one in Ethiopia, he's like, yeah, you know, touring went down. I'm selling chickens now. So he sends me a picture. <laughs> he sends me a picture. He's like, he has chickens now. So he's raising chicken. Um, and the other guy in Senegal, he's teaching um, Wolof online. So, and I think he's like in medical, not in medical, medical school, but he's doing something in medicine. So I'm like, this is like, like I know men like y'all in the States, okay? Like you don't find a way to make a way. So yeah, those two experiences were really like wonderful. And the that like that that hug that you feel like you're supposed to get to when you go back to the continent, that's those are the places where I felt it. Wow, wow. It sounds like there were so many rich experiences that were were new, but also, you know, there is that African proverb that says it takes a village. And mm-hmm. it sounds like your your experience experience took you through different villages where you were able to actually see what that means because I think here in America we say it but it's not it's not quite how it was back in the day and so um you got to see that the manifestation of what it takes a village is yes wow so what is one thing that you would tell a single mom who's, you know, listening to your story and saying, wow, you know, I can't believe she could do that. And that is something that I would love to do. What encouragement would you give to her? Um, I'll really say have a plan. Like it's not feasible for everyone to just quit their job. Like it's not an option for everyone. I teach online and I also, I would say like, you can teach anything online. So if that's a, something that you're interested in, let's say you're 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 amazing at crocheting, you can teach that skill set online because someone wants to learn how to do that. So that's an option to find online work. Um, and if you're working, you can still homeschool your child. Like you can work full time, your child can still be homeschooled. You can find ways to do it. You can do it after you get off work. I know it's exhausting. You can do it on the weekends. You can find homeschool co-ops that your child can join, it's still possible. And that's the thing I was here like, well, how am I supposed to do this if I'm working 40 hours a week and I got my kids and I have to do everything? At some point they'll get old enough to help you. So, and it seems like when they're young, it seems like forever for them to get old enough to actually help. I haven't cooked all week. My daughter has cooked every single meal this week. She has mm. almost lied a little bit. I was gonna say she kept my kitchen clean. She kept my kitchen decent. <laughs> So, you know, um, she did okay. She can still work one day, but you have to, you have to find ways. If it's what you absolutely know you want to do for your child, you will find a way. And I will say one other thing about that. I had someone tell me that once 
She was like, if you want to do it, you find a way. And it pissed me off. When I tell you how upset I got at this woman telling me if I want to do something, I could do it. I was, I didn't talk to this lady for then. We worked together. I wouldn't talk. Every time she walked to my office, I walked out. That's how <laughs> upset I was about her making that comment to me. But it was probably, I just wasn't in a place to hear someone telling me that and actually believing it. So once you believe that you can do anything, you'll be able to. Mm, I love that. So one of my questions is that I'm, I'm just wondering with um, the pandemic, what is it that you miss the most about being a, that freedom? Because you were really free to go anywhere and how have you kind of made up for it? Because I feel like um, in life, if you take something away, you need to supply something in its place so that we can, we can cope with what's going on. So um, yeah. It's been hard. Like, you know, the term homeschool, people, oh, you're at home. Me and my daughter were never at home. Even when we're like just at home and not traveling, we had our Mondays at the library, our Tuesdays at Starbucks. Like we never, we did stuff at home, but since we lived there, since I worked there, it was necessary for me to get the hell out every now and then. So I'm like, yo, I'm like, today we're gonna go to the park. Whatever lesson you have to do, you're gonna do it in the park today. Or we go to a museum where there's, all, I'm always on the free kids stuff. Where those websites where they have free kids events are in your city. Hey babe, check this out. That's what we're gonna do today. Some of them are flops. We'll get that like, oh, what is this? So, but being able to leave and go places, that part is hard. Um, the traveling part, yes, I miss being able to travel, but then I also like the moments of stillness. So right now we're being still, even though I wanna catch a flight someplace, but we're being still and it's giving me time to kind to like, actually I've been teaching online for 12 years now and I don't want to continue teaching online as it, it I make great money doing it but there's other things that I put off because of my I guess I want to say like I got to the point where I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life and I could easily get caught up in that I'm like okay it's like someone who gets a job and they're like they keep getting bonuses they keep getting raises but they never actually do what they're passionate about so I guess the feeling that that void of missing something. I've been going full throttle working on some my projects and I have to be still to complete those projects. But then after they're done, I'm pretty sure I'm like, get that, that itchy foot thing where it's like, we have to go, we have to go do something. I was already looking at um, Montana. So I want to go to Montana. And everyone's like, what's in Montana? I'm like, they got a white sand beach. Like that's, that's why I want to go. And they got underground caves where it's like, I just want to do something different. So um, being still is fine right now. I haven't had like a lot of anxiety about not being able to move around. My daughter, I know she's starting to get a little bit more stressed out. She's been saying stuff like, oh my goodness, I miss my friends. I'm so tired of Zoom calls. But luckily our new neighborhood that we just moved into, there's some kids her age. So they come over every day and they go outside and play, which is nice because it's nice enough for her to go outside and play. So I'll hear them coming before they get here. I'm like, y'all put some clothes on because she ain't probably like lounging in her robe. I'm like, your friends are coming. And then like two minutes later, ding dong, I'm like, go, get out. So that that human interaction is necessary, not just on Zoom. So I know she's starting to, it's starting to get to her now because we're just, we're not around anymore. And yeah, that part's a little difficult. So I miss, I miss going to the library. I miss going to the bookstore. I miss just doing those things and not just sitting in house. And we were in a lot of homeschool groups. So when we're stateside, she had things to do. I was able to say, okay, see you in two hours. And now I just see her all the time. Yes, yes. So one thing you mentioned was Montana. After I finished college, I did AmeriCorps. And one of the places that I, I stayed was in Lame Dare, Montana. So, so okay. I, I am someone who actually thinks Montana is beautiful. Okay. Um, I will say when I was there, that was in 2004 or five, it, um, my cell phone didn't work. So. Mm. But that's not all over the state, but at the time I was there and I actually didn't mind because I don't like that, you know, I didn't like that people had access to me or at least thought they had access 
access yeah. to me every moment of the day. But I saw wild horses, I saw moose, and um, it was just beautiful. The sky was like the stars were just so beautiful. And when I think of my life, those were some of the best moments of my life. And I know that you've been to a whole lot more places than I have. So it's like, you know, it may not be as beautiful as some of those other countries, but as far as America is concerned, it's definitely a place that is beautiful. And I was actually on a Native American reservation. So it, it's a very different way of life. But yeah. I think um, the slowness, the stillness is what I loved about it. So. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm looking for. I was just like, I'm like, Black people don't go to Montana. I'm going to Montana. That was like my initial thought. I'm like, because there's places that everybody goes in the U.S. Like, this is the spot. That's where you want to go. I'm like, let's go like on the road. Let's travel. In Montana, in Oklahoma, were like the two places that popped up in my head. I was like, I don't know anybody who's ever been to Montana or Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. That's, that's so the the only place where I felt different about being black to me wasn't even Montana because there's because there's such a large native population. Mm -hmm. I really just fit in with the native population. Mm -hmm. um, but it was Wyoming. <laughs> Wyoming, oh. I felt like I'm really the only one. <laughs> Listen, as soon as you said Wyoming, I was like, yeah, nobody goes to Wyoming. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't so that was the only place um here in america where i felt like yeah i feel a bit unusual but um but i had locks so i already stand out anyway so <laughs> but, yeah. but i'm really not no i'm not <laughs> So it has been such a pleasure just to hear your experiences and hear your journey. I know that you have um, a day in a life project. Can you mm -hmm. kind of tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we had to put that on hold. So another part of what we were doing when we were traveling, we were meeting up with Black homeschooling families and we were filming a day in their life. And then my daughter was like doing all the little edits. Like she was really good at that. And it was our way of like, I really wanted to showcase different families and how they homeschool just so people could see like, it's a viable option. Like, hey, single parent, I'm homeschooling my child. We had um, parents like this two parent household, but I work during the day, she works at night and this is how we're homeschooling. We went to um, different homeschool co-ops. Like I had a whole list of families that we were going to visit and just to show like there are different, nobody, no two people are homeschooling their children the same way. And it's all about figuring out what's going to work best for you and your family. So that it was so much fun because I was like, these people aren't gonna just let us come in their house and film them. They don't know us, but they did. They were so open, like, oh yeah, we would love to do it. So I try to change it around where I'm like, hey, can y'all film a day in your life and then send the information to me and then I'll put it together and we'll still make these videos. But with everything, like the whole world shutting down, like we had to regroup. So right around March, we stopped and I was like, okay, at some point, I'm gonna reach back out to these families. Like, hey, I just need y'all to film it. We're actually headed to a family in Florida right before the pandemic, like it reached its peak. And I didn't know what was going on. I had not been paying attention to the news. And she was like, you know, we're not really comfortable with this whole pandemic that I wouldn't, I don't even think they were calling it a pandemic at the time, but whatever was happening, she was like, so she was telling me that I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. We'll reschedule. And then the next family said the same thing. I was like, maybe it's time for you to find out what's happening in the world. <laughs> so like I plugged in and I'm like, what? I hadn't, I, I mean, I heard little bits and pieces. I just hadn't heard about, this was like right when the water and toilet paper was being snatched out of all the stores. So I was like, right. maybe we need to go sit ourselves down someplace. And the first place we went was to Walmart. I was like, let me make sure we have water. Like we need water in our van. And I got in there and I saw the mania that was happening. I was like, yeah we need to go sit down. So we came back to Georgia and sat down. Wow, wow. It's just been such a, a wonderful just conversation where we get to learn through you and from your experience. And this whole pandemic has been a wild ride for every single body. Like there's no person that isn't affected by it. So um, when you are 
I guess, moving forward with your daughter, what do you hope and look forward to for 2021? So some of the things I'm looking forward to, like she wrote a book. I should have mentioned that. She wrote a book, um, Traveling Paws. And part of the plan while we were traveling was to stop at these places and like, hey, will you carry her book in your store? And that didn't happen because the world closed. So she, she wrote her book and she's working on her follow-up to that book. And I always ask, like, is this your thing? Do you want to be an author? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, that's cool. You don't have to decide right now. Um, I'm working on workbooks. Like I'm creating workbooks um, because a lot of homeschool families, they'll reach out and like, hey, so what curriculum do you use? I'm like, I don't. I kind of piece stuff together. They're like, well, what should I be using to teach my child about our history? And I'm like, there's like five books out there that I could like, it's, there's not a curriculum set that I would like, this is the best. There's like two curriculum sets for, made by black people for black families, but there's two that's not enough. So I'm creating workbooks that are centered on black history for our people. And um, so my goal for 2021 is to finish those projects and let her work on her projects. And I told her like, this was the year that I was gonna put her in a middle school co-op, like something that was like maybe three times a week. So she could still get that experience. Um, but that's not gonna happen, it might happen. Um, so moving in like to 2021, focusing in on our passions and not being driven by, you know, the things we think we're supposed to do, just focusing, really focusing in on those things. Awesome. Definitely let us know when you have, um, we'll definitely put um, her book into the show notes so that everybody can see it and purchase okay. it. Um, but also, I definitely, you know, one of my goals for this podcast was so that parents could teach their kids about their history. And so I haven't necessarily found a lot of scholars willing to talk to me about it on the podcast, because I just know um, when just my interactions in life, I've met so many people from other places outside the U.S. and history is completely different when you weren't born here in the, in America. And so I wanted to, with this podcast, I wanted to kind of give people that history, you know, that like before the intro, I wanted to have people learn something new about the continent of Africa that they did not know before because it's so much value in the history. And it's so much of what we attribute to Greece and Rome that was actually taken from Africa. And so... Um, when you get those workbooks done, just definitely hit us up so that we can help share because I, I know that there is definitely a need for that. And as a mom, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to teach my kids that information and, you know, learn alongside of them. So just thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing with us. And we're going to have to have you again, because I feel like we only scratched the surface. Um, or about things that we could talk about. And we just have so much in common. Um, I wanted to definitely let you talk and share with our guests. And I feel like, you know, you just kind of opened a spark in our mind that makes us want to, you know, really see the world as our classroom. So thank you for that. Yes, I like that. The world is your classroom. Yes. Um, I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Tell everybody how they can connect with you. Um, I am on all the little social media stuff. Um, Facebook, Jade Aliana. Um, my webpage is www.teacherjade.com. Um, that's where the workbooks will be available. Um, and I think Instagram, same. It's J-A-I underscore A-L-I-A-N-A. -A -A. Um, if you want your kids to follow my daughter, she's Jayla's underscore journey. And that's where she posts her stuff about her books and her animations. She has a YouTube channel. I don't know what it's called. It's just random. Is the is random stuff. Um, but yeah, those are those other places I'm at online. Awesome, awesome. Definitely send me her YouTube channel so we can put it in the show notes. So people go to the show notes so that you can see these links and click on them and support and just follow their journey because we can learn from each other and through each other's experience. And what better time than the time that we're living in right now to do so. So thank you, I appreciate you. And I just feel like I learned so much from your experiences, so thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, everybody. Bye now.
did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mug, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.